0: Hello, and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite video games. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? It's
1: very hard for me sometimes to not scream tequila at midnight at the top of my lungs while you're doing the intro and then run out the door. <laughs> I just want you to know that I've got the kind of self control that you need as a co host on a podcast.
0: Does it have anything to do with the fact that, as has been pointed out by many of our listeners, I go into radio voice?
1: No, I don't think that's it. Uh, Because I think radio voice is unavoidable. Um, Like, I remember to this day, and I have not been in college since, you know, 1997. um, But I still, every so often, my brain just goes, 88.3 WQRI FM, the rock of Bristol County. And that's like you know this. They train you, and it just doesn't go away. It Never
0: goes away. It never ever does. You do it. You do it for a while, and it's just there. But that's hi, how-
1: I'm Maniac Matt Black, and this has been the uh, <laughs> Headbangers Ball Hour. I'm hoping you can enjoy us next week at the same time. Now let's do some lore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we're going to be doing today. So last week we did our our pie in the sky, or or sort of a breakdown of what we thought the an expansion that involved fighting the light, but more specifically, people that are wielding the light would look like. Uh, We have a couple more episodes planned in similar vein for the future, but today we're going to be answering your questions. Uh, So you're
1: just going to have to wait for the Corgis Unleashed episode.
0: There will be a Corgis Unleashed episode. I have had at least six requests for. uh, But before that, uh, if you have questions for this show or any of our other podcasts, we do have two other ones out there, uh, the Blizzard Watch podcast, and we also have the Tavern Watch podcast, which if you haven't listened to it yet, and you're into tabletop gaming of any type, RPGs or whatever, you might want to consider listening to it. It's cool, it's fun, and Liz is there, and we talk about all sorts of fun things. And uh, yeah, so you should totally do that. Uh, but if you have questions for us, send it into podcast at blizzardwatch.com and just specify what show it's for. If you are a Patreon supporter and you want to have your message highlighted, you can go ahead and join our Discord channel where we have Patreon queue and podcast questions. Uh, we do look there. As a matter of fact, I think. Uh, Well, I don't think any of our questions, I think maybe one came from there this week. Most of them did come from, uh, and if you aren't a Patreon supporter and don't like emails, don't want to do the Discord thing, we do have a Q and podcast question channel that is for everyone. Uh, We will look there as well. Uh, But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the first one. So, hi, lore watchers. My question needs a prefacing, so bear with me. The Plague of Undeath makes sense. It kills the biological living and raises them as undead forces for the undead armies. In fact, there is some evidence that it is so targeted it only affects some races and species, a perfect weapon. Uh, we are strangers in the Shadowlands. We are not supposed to be there. We are not natural to it because we are still alive. We are bags of bone and flesh that can only get into the Shadowlands because someone ripped the barriers between worlds apart. The beginning. The beings that do belong in the Shadowlands are dead or have never been alive, fueled by anima, and probably just as unlikely to walk in the between. Material plane as the biological living are in theirs. So, if all this is the case, what is the lore behind why such a large portion of one of the Shadowlands devoted to plague, a substance or mix of that infects and kills mortals, biological creatures? If things had been going properly, living biological beings would never have interacted with it. So, what drove its development? Given that undeath is so una- so unnatural to un- to death as it is to life and order, did the forces that introduced the plague to Azeroth get it from the Shadowlands somehow? Is there some conspiracy, Dreadlord, maybe, to create this weapon whose primary use is the land of the living? Or is it simply that the green goo is associated with the undead model set, like abominations and meat hooks, and they wanted that theme represented? And this is from our friend Razorbird. Uh, so this is all about Maldraxxus, a place of poison, magic, bone, and warriors. It, it is an odd place. What, what do you think, Matt? Do you, what do we think the correlation, I think we've talked about this a little bit before, between the plague that exists in Maldraxxus and the plague that, has, that wound up ra- ravaging Azeroth?
1: Well, before I even get into that, I want to talk about some other stuff. Um, your assumption is that there's anything natural to the Shadowlands, and we, there isn't. The Shadowlands know, is a constructed place.
0: Yeah, we know that they've been constructed. This has been, this has been established, yep. And this, this is a
1: made place. Everything in it was created for a set purpose. Um, and then something happened when our buddy Zoval stopped doing his job and he was imprisoned in the Maw and a part of him was taken away from him and turned into the thing that executes the purpose that he'd stopped executing. That being said... We have no, there's no reason to believe that undeath is in any way, shape, or form unnatural to the Shadowlands. The Shadowlands, however, if you look at what they're actually doing, it's not about death. It's about transformation. Mm -hmm. You get to the Maldraxxus in particular. Maldraxxus is what we're talking about. You are changed uh, by your own will or by others. The House of Constructs, for instance, changes you. It, It makes, it constructs things out of the dead. Uh, out of anima. There's a there's a whole thing about that there. Um, you see that when. Mograine talks to Lady Vash. And he says why did you. Turn back into this form. You were a night elf when you came here. Like on her death. Lady Vash appeared in the Shadowlands. As the night elf she had been. Before she became a Naga. Because remember the Naga are not. That's not their natural form. They They've been changed by an old god's power. And her response to him was, this is how I felt comfortable. This is how I perceive myself. And we see that with other people in the Shadowlands. Dra- Draka is still Draka. Draka hasn't changed because Draca perceives herself as Draka. But Amber Kiernan is a big spider now. Like a spider, whatever they're called. I, I forget what they're it's called. It's
0: essentially a drider.
1: Yeah, but she that's what Amber Kiernan is now. She And she's perfectly happy that way. Um, people take on these forms that, that more... To them, at least, more accurately reflects who who they are in this new unlife, and that's the other thing to consider. They're technically they're all undead. Everybody you meet is essentially somebody who has passed through the veil of death and is still there,
0: or is constructed from the remnants of somebody who did.
1: Yeah, and it's I don't think that the plagues you see in in Maldraxxus are in any way, shape, or form aimed at the living. They're aimed at themselves uh, because. And also, keep in mind that Maldraxxus' existence—one of the things it's for—is to protect the Shadowlands from incursions from other realities, like the Void or the Light or what have you. Um, we see that in Maldraxxus; they have they have fought the Legion before. They, they've they've been in conflict with other forces, and the plagues are one of their weapons. It's a way they can affect beings from other realities who come to to their to the Shadowlands to fight them.
0: There is an aspect, though, that I think is is something. Oh, that I, oh one thing ahead.
1: I do also want to mention before you go, and, and I'm sorry. No, no, but, not at all. Go ahead. Um, also, Maldraxis, like all the Shadowlands, does not have a straightforward relationship to time.
0: No, not even close
1: and that's something i think you want you to keep in mind while joe's talking and and if he doesn't say what i think he might say i'll come back in and, and i'll elaborate on it but for right now you were talking joe so
0: so one of the themes the the the, the themes of the entirety of shadowlands is this idea of rebirth and reconstitution right and you kind of hit on this a little bit razorberg where you were talking about how Like the plague that we received on Azeroth uh, transformed living creatures into another form of life, undeath in this particular case. Um, And we know that the beings that are undead can ultimately, if they are free from direct control, have feelings, have emotions, sometimes way extreme from what you would expect. They operate and act just as much as their living counterparts. This has been a theme in the most recent novels as well. In Maldraxxus, as well as Ardenweald, as well as Bastion, even in Revendreth, when you go there, and Matt pointed this out, you are reborn. You are recreated. The vehicle through which you are recreated is different for each of the, the different realms. The plague in Maldraxxus, or at least Plague Sciences... Uh, Because if you go through and spend any time there, they are essentially scientists that are uh, messing around with different variations on plague, are all doing so in an essence of creation. In fact, a lot of the creatures, a lot of the beings you interact with in Maldraxxus that aren't like one of the houses, and even in some cases, some of the houses, there is a house of plagues, um, they're constituted from this This thing. There are daily quests in which you go and get like components to bring slimes to life. Slimes can be those giant stompy boys that you get inside of the dungeons. They can also be the the one Margrave uh, at the end of the one that's being reborn in the slime pit is essentially all slime, which is essentially all made from nothing but that plague. And Matt's right, it is a weapon, but it's also sort of how they partially bring life to Maldraxis. half of the creatures you interact and interact with their vile wings they're they're like pterodons that are made out of goo there's fungus things everywhere there's gooey bits everywhere half of the the plant life is essentially made out of plague right it it's an interesting thing because when you start looking at our plague it's completely different it, it's not It's not meant to give life in the same manner. It's meant to give life and push it under control. It's not a mutagen. It's not a mutagen, right? And what
1: this stuff is is very much similar to, although obviously it's magical and it's working in the realms of the dead, but it it is very much not like the the plague that we see on Azeroth.
0: It's closer to the ooze from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, if, if anything else. Like if I had to give it an analog, you touch it, you're transformed. And I think that there might be something where the Dreadlords may have been involved with bringing the plague, or at least the initial vestiges of it, to Azeroth. We don't know for sure. We know that the Legion somehow had access to it. We know that the Legion knew about it. The Dreadlords seem like the most likely vector, but what they're doing seems like a perversion of what the plague of Maldraxxus, or the the toxins or mutagens, and I'm going to start calling it mutagens of Maldraxxus here, were originally meant to do. And So it's sort of taking this idea of, yes, it has transformative properties, but how can we weaponize it? And then they start going with it. And then the plagues that follow, like if we talk about like the Wrathgate, or we talk about any of the other numerous times we've interacted with brand new strains of plague uh, from rogue, quote unquote, rogue uh, forsaken. It's always the same thing. They're weaponizing this. They're trying to use it to transform people. Heck, there's that one quest where there are human seedlings being planted in the ground to be uh, transformed and reborn by whatever they're doing with their plague. Uh, and by human seedlings, I mean people buried up to their necks inside of the ground like as if they were cabbages. And it's almost like a reinvention of of what Maldraxxus was originally doing with all of this, trying to turn things into something else but take away all the free will. And Maldraxxus doesn't do that, right? The beings that get reborn in Maldraxxus are reborn and have free will. They make choices. As a matter of fact, they compete and get chosen to, you know, you can join this house. That's a whole thing. Uh, Matt pointed out with with Lady Vosh. She chose to look the way she did. It wasn't something that she was just constructed to do. So it's not exactly the same, but I think there is a root there.
1: There's also other things to be pointed out. Um, One thing is that, like I said before, Maldraxxus and all of the Shadowlands are not rooted in time, Mm -hmm. and as a result, cause and effect don't exist there. That's important when you think about the fact that Maldraxxus looks like the Scourge. Uh, Part of that could be that the the you know Maldraxxus was visited. You know, they the Lich King could see into it because he was wearing the helm of domination. But it's also quite possible that Maldraxxus became more like the Scourge simply because the scourge exists mm-hmm. and therefore can resonate back in time and affect the development of Maldraxus before Maldra before the scourge even exists that there's that's one thing to consider the other is this Maldraxus appears to be built upon a corpse
0: a big corpse
1: yeah the the corpse of some gigantic organism like you're and they're mining
0: it it's like nowhere from the marvel comics
1: yeah kind of or you know think of it like Imagine if somebody was living on the back of Gulliver from Gulliver's Travels and using his hair and his flesh and his fluids to do things. That's what they're doing in Maldraxxus. We help them do it. Like there's quests where you go and rip the hairs out of the ground. They're giant hairs. And they they, they are
0: hairs. They call them hairs.
1: Yeah. Like the, the, the Maldraxxus is a vast entity of some kind. Why? What is it? I don't have an answer to that question. Um, nobody ever really seems to want to talk about it. But those those things that look like bones coming out of it are bones,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they mine those too. the The plague that you see in Maldraxxus is also extracted from this enormous corpse
0: we, we that, do that they live and
1: fight on. You we know, help. so
0: we help do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So there's there's an aspect to Maldraxxus that, if anything, is very rooted in the idea that decomposition is part of the cycle of rebirth. Like you don't get that. This is a thing we hear all the time. And it's, it's said so often that I think people kind of like tune it out, but death is an integral part of life. Mm -hmm. You don't have, if there's nothing alive, nothing dies. Things only die when they've been alive in the first place. And death is, is, is part of that. But it's also, where life comes from. Think about like you leave a corpse out on the ground and soon enough, it's full of scavengers. It's full of parasites. It's full of, you know, insects that are converting it into other things. That's, that's a part of life. So I think that's a big part of Maldraxxus is Maldraxxus is the place where death has that aspect. Just like, um, if you go to, uh, the, uh, you know, oh, I can't remember the name of the zone, Amber
0: Amberwell what are you
1: talking about? Uh, you're talking about, um, Ardenwald. The Winter Queen, Ardenweld. Thank you. Sorry. When you go to Ardenwild, um, man, I could not remember the word. Uh, when you go to Amber, <laughs> when you go to Ardenwald, it, It's very much about the the going back aspect of. Yeah, this. There, there's
0: literally a portal that you can open yeah. that sends you back to wherever you're from.
1: Yeah, there's the the life returning from death. The Maldraxxus is very much about the death claiming life aspect of it. It's the death feeds on life, death grows from life. Without life, there is no death. And then you have Bastion, which is very much about the incorruptibility of the spirit.
0: Well, and also the, the idea that, yeah, the, there, idea
1: that the, the service to this realm is about that journey, that, that you have a place in it.
0: What's interesting it, to me though is there's there's an element of 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 that shedding of, of life though in Bastion as well. Mm-hmm. That I think the only one that doesn't have that theme is Ardenweld, which which is weird to me. But like even in Bastion, you're shedding your memories. So like that's the at least at, at first it's changed now in the current current. You no, know, Ardenweld totally
1: has that because you shed your mortal form.
0: Well, oh you know, that's it. true. That's fair. That's fair. In, Arden,
1: in Ardenweld, you stop being who you were and become something dedicated to the cycle. You, you still have all, all your form.
0: memories in person. You just take on a different form.
1: Yeah, you take it on a different form. And for that matter, um, even Revendreth has elements of this. Oh, yeah, no, it absolutely because does. Think, think about all the ways in which they sacrifice, you know, the things that make you who you are. Your sins and origins are the things that make you. And you, you're you required to surrender them in Revendreth. So you're not the same afterwards. And there's all of this ultimately feeds into the same angle, which is that death is this place of transformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's where life changes. And so I think that that's very much something to keep in mind when you talk about Maldraxis and its various plagues. Uh, I think that the scourge version and the, the version that the forsaken have tried to use, it's very much almost a parody of that because it is, it's looking at this idea and then bringing it forth into actual life where, where living things are. Now you're, you're not doing the transformation. You're, you're corrupting it. it. it's, it's sort of an impossibility to have that in the world of the living.
0: And one other thing that I think you made a point to say that you think that the Plague of Undeath is targeted over like a specific set of uh, of, of persons or humanoids. It's not really the case. And you can go back to the Wrathgate and see this, right? Like the forces of both factions are storming the Wrathgate. And it's not just humans. It's humans and Drenai and orcs and there's a ton of them and then the plague hits and that plague hits kills all of them all of them it's not specifically targeted against one race
1: yeah I think it's more of a case that the reason there are so many human forsaken is more it's a limitation of modeling but it's also I think it's more most of the people in Lordaeron were human
0: well not only that but I also think it has a lot to do with Arthas yeah because of the but time there are
1: definitely there are definitely uh, forsaken who used to be like either high elves or blood elves mm-hmm. not just sylvanas you see others she's got dark rangers
0: there's blood obviously. queen Lannithel.
1: yeah and while others are, are not from the plague like for instance all the ones that were raised when sylvanas burned down most of the night elf lands those ones were raised by direct access to the valkyr um, so that wasn't the plague doing that but the but there are plagues risen you know from other races than human. Yeah. So and- yeah, I don't think it's targeted. I just think it's it comes down to who is was Arthas fighting, who was Arthas targeting, who did he see as his natural subs you know subjects, and where did he use it?
0: Yep. And I think that some of that is also also true with the Forsaken plagues that we've seen over the years as well. At one point in time, and I think they've sort of walked this back a little bit, not retconned it, but sort of like walked away from it. At one point in time they were exploring in particular the forsaken were exploring the plague as a means to continue their race because this was a problem that forsaken had they can't procre- they can't procreate or they can't go forth and spawn new families new children they they eventually will decay and fall apart because that is just something that is going to happen to them. And it might be actually worse than death because, you know, they slowly have to be trapped in their body. We don't know what happens to them once they fully decay. Do they go to the Shadowlands? Maybe. Or are they just trapped in the essence of their head and stuck on a shelf somewhere? Um, But the idea, at least at one point in time, was that the plague would potentially give them a way to maintain their culture and maintain their race. And again, I think they've walked back on that, but that was a big theme in Cataclysm, right? That was a big part of a lot of the Forsaken stuff in Cataclysm. And yes, the Valkyr were involved at a certain degree. And yes, we have stories that show uh, the Valkyr helping Sylvanas sort of resurrect Nathanos in a new form that was slightly less decayed, uh, a little more like Alpha forsaken if you will but even he was decaying even he was falling apart even his body was starting to fail him right and then it doesn't also it also doesn't mean that or that also means that as their brains decay over time maybe they lose parts of themselves because that's something that does happen i think they talked about that in before the storm there was a whole section of like this idea of losing themselves right and so the plague at one point was this this solution to bring more numbers in and keep the forsaken as a people alive. And I'm not saying it was right, but that seems to me at least almost a little bit closer to Maldraxxus in trying to cause life from death uh, than what actually happened with the Scourge and some of the other plagues. Uh, but it also was very extremely targeted because the Forsaken were, like Matt pointed out, where it happened, where the plague originally happened, where the Scourge was, what was originally raised, tended to be predominantly Lordaeron citizens, which happened to be predominantly humans. That doesn't mean that it could only be them. And in fact, like Matt pointed out, it wasn't. There, there were several other races and uh, that that served the Forsaken, that, that are part of the Forsaken. Uh, just because we don't see a Forsaken Torn running around doesn't mean that there can't be one. For all we know, maybe there is. But I mean, if there's a death knight of it,
1: there could probably be a Forsaken of it.
0: And as we know, every race can be a death knight now. So yeah, I think that answers that question. Hopefully it does. Razorberg. that is a very good question. Uh it's it's something I think a lot of people talk about a lot and and maybe have started rehabbing that conversation now that Maldraxxus is around. Uh, But Maldraxxus is definitely a different being altogether as far as what it does with plagues. And yeah, maybe there's like a caricature of it and maybe the Dreadlords are that link. Because again, we do know that the Dreadlords brought a bunch of the secrets, quote unquote secrets, to the Legion. And the Legion created the Lich King, kinda. Maybe uh, with stuff that they stole from the Shadowlands, and maybe they gifted him. And we know that the Lich King could look into the Shadowlands. Heck, the Lich King was able to make a pocket in the Shadowlands in which new Death Knights were trained. Uh, that's a thing that happens apparently. And if he can look into there, why can't he look elsewhere? Why he very clearly knew about Meldrax's Bolvar states as much, right? He's able to see. He could see what's going on in the Shadowlands. So, yeah, maybe there's some linkage there. Maybe it started as an idea. Maybe it started as something that was gifted, but where we are right now, still two completely very different things. Uh, they just may have the same rough route. One just happens to be a perversion. Anything else you want to say about that one before we move on?
1: No, I think we're pretty, we got a good dose on that.
0: All right. Uh, our next one comes from Durindell, a retired human paladin. Hello, insert Blizzard Watch pun of your choice. There's so many. I'm just going to say, you guys at home, Put your own. In. Love the show and have kept watching even after quitting while WoW a few years back. My question is, what was the whole situation with Jaina's father coming after her and then dying? All I distinctly remember is that she left Kul Tiras with a large-ish group of people and left for Kalimdor to found Theramore. Couldn't remember the exact details, but the question has been in my mind since I found the Warbringers Jaina song on Spotify. Thank you for all you do. And there's a PS here, which I think uh, I'm going to throw in there. Uh, I wish that they would give Sylvanas and Azara songs for their shorts as well. Uh, Technically, uh, I'm just going to throw it out there. Sylvanas did have a song. It's happened to be the Lament of the Highborn.
1: Yeah, it was way before.
0: Way before. She she was the OG. But what what do you think, Matt?
1: No, I think she could have had another song. (laughs) Uh, As for this actual question, I mean, she didn't go from Kul Tiras, like with a large group of people. She had left Kul Tiras years earlier to be part of the Karen tour. Yes. Um, she was antonitis's I don't know what word you'd use. Protégé, uh, apprentice. Apprentice. Um, she was, kinda, she was, his,
0: she was his apprentice. Cause he had one apprentice and that was her.
1: Yeah. And that made her extremely important because Antonidas was essentially the head of the, uh, you know, council, the Kul Tiran council, not Kul Tiran, uh, <laughs> Kieran tour, Dalaran, the Kieran tour. Um, And as a result, she spent a lot of time basically, you know, well after the point where she was an adult, she was spending a lot of her time basically, you know, acting as Antonidas's agent um, going around. The the whole reason that she was with Arthas and Uther was she was Antonidas's eyes.
0: Yeah, investigating uh, the Plague of Endeth,
1: right? And, And she was going to report back to him what she'd discovered. And she did. And when she went back to him, Medivh showed up. And said, you know, drop the whole I'm Mediv. Well, he didn't actually say it. He he showed up. He he basically said to them, "You've got to like leave, go now, get on ships, and head you know head towards the the magical land of Kalimdor." And they were like, "What? What? Who are you? What are you talking about?" And and Jaina didn't know who he was any more than anybody else did. First off, Mediv did not come to the Garen Tor. The guy never interacted with them. Like he he had them send him an apprentice once. He didn't go to them, so they they weren't exactly they didn't recognize each other.
0: And at this like, point but, the Kirin Torah was under the impression that he was gone, gone,
1: right? Yeah. Like they thought he was like super dead, um, which he was, he just got better. Um, thanks to his mom. Uh, so she was like, I'm not, I don't know who this guy is, but the very fact that he could come into the Kiran Tor chamber and leave under his own power and nobody could stop him or even knew he was going to do it. That says something to me. And so while everybody else was like, you know, basically acting like nothing was happening. She'd seen what Arthas had to do mm-hmm. in Stratholme. She'd, you know, she didn't agree with it, but she'd seen it. She knew that the plague was real. She knew that this thing was, was happening and nobody was taking action. Like everybody was like passing the buck or, you know, Arthas had gone off with his ships and nobody knew where he was. Uh, and she was like, okay, I, this, I do not trust the situation. I'm going to, to follow my instinct here. And so she, under her own authority, she did you know, just, just surely her own. I'm the daughter of the Admiral from Kul I'm the, you know, the second to the, the head of the, of the Kieran Tor just put together some ships and said, anybody who wants to come with me, get on. And she got people from all over the place. Uh, one of the, pe- a, a regiment of, of Gilneans joined her. Yeah. Like th- there were people who came were like, yeah, we don't like what's happening either. And like this doesn't feel right, and so they left. And she was still putting people on boats when Arthas came back and started his campaign. Like she knew what he'd become. She she heard about it. It just there was there was no time. She couldn't go confront him because she had all these people to to shepherd. And she took them across the sea. And they didn't go to Kul They never went near it. Um, they just went straight to where she'd been told to go.
0: Yeah, she was uh that's when she joined up with the there was an expedition her expedition forces joined up with the night elves and the new horde at that.
1: Yeah, it's it was Jaina's expeditionary force is the one that you see in Warcraft Three in and the, the cavern- later
0: parts. And the Caverns of Time. Like if you go and you go and do the Caverns of Time raid and you go to the human settlement, that's her forces.
1: Yeah, that's why she's in charge of it. When you go there, you see Jaina as the big you know, the big figure that's on you know at the tower. Jaina's in charge of it because it was her expeditionary force. And yes, they did become the nucleus of Theramore, but that was after.
0: Yeah, the, after after the Burning Legion was defeated at the Battle of Mount Hyjal, it was the survivors of that battle that decided to stay in Kalimdor and found the port city of Theramore.
1: Because keep in mind, for a while there, they, they had no further news from back home. Mm-hmm. They had no idea that Stormwind still existed. They had no idea if there were any humans left on that continent.
0: Until they heard you know? from Varian Wren later on.
1: Yeah, he contacted them. Uh, and Varian and Jaina began corresponding. That was, you know, years later. Um, like when you start Warcraft, I don't know if you guys, if it still does this. When you start the original World of Warcraft cinematic, you hear four years have passed. Yes. You know, and that... that, that Starting uh, narration, which is by the, the actor who did uh, did um, Maiev, and it's it's really great in my opinion. I, it's one of the better openings to any video game. But the the thing about it is that all the stuff that happened between Warcraft three and World of Warcraft took place in four years. So them starting Tharamor, Varian's disappearance, you know, the Horde trying to found itself, all that stuff happened in four years. It was a tight four years. Like, and Jaina was like up to her eyeballs and trying to keep this little town she made going. Um, that's one of the reasons that her, like the destruction of Theramore is such a blow because it was the people that came with her from Lordaeron. It's the people who escaped Lordaeron. Mm-hmm. You know, luckily they got most of them out, but some people didn't get out. And that city was essentially their second chance. And now it's gone. You know, it, it is a big deal. It was a it was a wound, uh, and and you know the whole story of like her dad coming after her that that stuff was again during that four year period. So she barely got Theramore running, and her father and the Cultiran fleet show up and decide they're going to take over Theramore.
0: Not not only are they going to take over a Theramore, but they're going to take over a Theramore. And they're going to use it as their staging point to wage war against the new horde, because and that's the other thing you got to keep in mind about Dalen Proudmore—he was the Lord Admiral, ruler of Caltiris, Grand Admiral of the Alliance, and was Supreme Commander of the naval forces of the Alliance—and hated the horde. He hated the Horde with such vehemency, he felt that they can never, ever, ever change their tune, they can never be trusted, they would always be the same folks, the same people, the same things that crossed through the Dark Portal and started the first war. And,
1: and you know, he had a reason for this. He did. Because, you know, that's that's the thing, is people always have reasons, but his reason was simply that, you know, the Horde, on the, when they had dragon mounts, because keep in mind that they had for a while, red dragons were serving as slaves to the Horde. Um, they used those sh- those dragons to burn one of the fleets, which had his son, the one that you see in, in uh, Battle of Azeroth, you know, Derek, you, you see him as an undead. He died on those ships burned by the Horde. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Dalen's Daylen, an interesting figure. Uh, you'll notice that the Alliance fleet didn't show up in Warcraft 3. That's because the Alliance didn't exist in Warcraft 3. Yeah. The Alliance was gone um, at the end of the, of Warcraft two and going for like 20 or so years after the Horde was beaten, uh, Gilneas was like, you know, there was that whole bit where Gilneas basically told uh, Lorderon to F off. I believe the exact words from Gendramian were, you know, I, this is the last time I'm going to talk to you, Terranus. So I hope you were listening. Like, that's the last thing that Gendramian said to Terranus Menethil. And then he built a wall and, and he shut lit- the door yeah, I'm not interacting with this anymore. I'm not dealing with you people. Fun f- he barely, he didn't even want to be in the
0: alliance in the first place. Yeah, he's not a token force originally.
1: Yeah, he. He. the whole reason that Gilneas was involved in the, in the uh, alliance was purely because the Horde had made incursions, and he was like, oh, okay, no, this has to stop. But he wasn't excited, and he really wasn't excited about paying to have camps to keep orcs in. He wanted them just all put to the sword and let it be done. Uh, it is actually an interesting fact that if not for Varian Rin, you probably couldn't play an orc because Varian Rin was the one who backed Terranus when Terranus was like, we're going to set up these camps and let, you know, we're going to let the, the orcs live in them and both Stromgarde and Gilneas were like, why are we going to do that? Why pay to do that? Why don't we just kill them? They came here. They attacked us. They invaded our world. Kill them. Yeah. And it was Varian who was like, that's barbaric. Like we can't just murder them. They, there're women and children in there. It's and, and that even the ones that aren't women and children aren't fighting. They're yeah, just Look, look at them.
0: There. They you, they are they're, bar- they're doing nothing. They're sitting there with this malaise look on their face. They're just there's nothing there. There's no one home. Yeah, It'd we're be not, like slaughtering you know, cows.
1: Yeah, we're not going to do this. Uh, it's it's not worthy of us. And again, that was Varian. It's Varian who backed Terranus. It's Varian who who basically got Strom to say all right, we'll we'll allow it. And and while Gilnaeus wouldn't listen, they couldn't like they just sealed their doors. That's the interesting thing about all of this is that Jaina <sighs> was really like at the time, she was one of the most progressive voices. Yeah, and, and- in you know, in any of these nations. Certainly for Tiras where her father was seriously, her father was right on board with the whole let's burn them. But Again, he had pulled his people back at the end of the second war. He Gilnet Calteris was like, We're not taking any more part in anything. We're we're gonna be sealed in over here. We don't care what you do.
0: Yeah, and I mean and think of it from from the Lord Admiral's perspective too, keeping that in mind as well. Here you have you and like there's an image, and I believe it's from the comics, and it kind of stuck with me. And it's uh it's it's Dalen Proudmore with Jaina, and Jaina is like in his arms crying because they're mourning the death of her brother after everything that happened during the second war. And so now you have Dalen Proudmoore who's pulled back from the Alliance at this point, who uh, is the Naval force of the world besides the Zandalari who are dealing with their own thing right now. And the Uh,
1: Zandalari didn't come out. for That
0: whole thing. Yeah. The Zandalari stayed on their mountain. They were dealing with their own internal politics and problems at that point, which we found out in battle for Azeroth. But, um, So you have him going to find his daughter after everything that happened at the Battle of Mount Hyjal to discover that she is sympathetic to the Horde. Not only sympathetic, is good friends with the leader of the Horde, would meet with him regularly, is broaching this topic of peace and trying to maintain peace as a liaison between the Alliance and the Horde. Because don't forget, that was her job. That was the job, the role that she had chosen for herself at this point. That's part of the reason why Theramore existed, not as a military base, but as a point to show, hey, we can coexist. We can live in the same lands as them in this harsh environment and have a mutually beneficial relationship. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. It's a lot more nuanced than that. But then
1: you've got a point that is pretty much. I mean, it, it wasn't all Theramore was like I said before. Theramore yeah. was also kind of like a. It was like the last, the only hope left for a lot of people who'd left their homeland, including right,
0: including Gilneans who couldn't go back to behind the wall that were with her. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. But it, th- she was reaching out. Like they did talk. They they tried really hard to not like a lot of the diplomacy with that between them was much, very much the on the long lines of, don't go too close to them. Yeah. Don't. Provoke them, and that was, that's the first tentative. St- and both sides were doing it. The horde was doing it. It, it. You really have to like. You cannot ignore the fact that under thrall, the horde was actually attempting some kind of peace. Was it perfect? Absolutely not. The horde was a very fractious organization. From every version of the horde has always been fractious. Whether it's we're talking the old horde, the quote unquote new horde, the iron horde, whatever horde you want to talk about. They're almost always butting heads. There's there's that level of orcs don't particularly like to be organized. Like they, they, they they're not they're not nation builders.
0: No, and it, you so can see that a talent. lot in like you saw that a lot in Warlords of Draenor. Like that was absolutely. pretty pretty good at showing that, I think.
1: But but they were making the effort. They were absolutely, if not doing so in the most they weren't doing it like a human nation would do it, but they were doing it. Mm-hmm. They were trying to 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 make this work to the point w- where when Dalen came and basically threw Jaina in jail, which was stupid because she's a mage; she could get out anytime she wanted.
0: What's his so- mass mass teleport? Yeah, that was a thing. <laughs> I yeah. studied
1: under Antonitis. He's the one that
0: perfected it.
1: Okay. You think you can hold me? Are you serious? But, you know, it was her dad. So she was like, she was trying to defuse the situation. She's trying to like, let's, let's not push this any further. Come on, dad. And I understand why Dalen didn't get it because Dalen didn't see the third war.
0: No, he wasn't there. He couldn't see yeah. any of that. He wasn't there for the he, Battle of Mount Hyjal.
1: The only reason that he even came to find Jaina was because he thought when he heard rumors that she was assembling a ship, a fleet, he figured she'd sail right into Calteris. And, and then he, he, of course, would have had to deal with all these refugees, but he expected that's what she would do. And then she didn't do it. She and then, didn't even try. And then he's like, where is she? Where did my daughter go?
0: And then he gets filtered responses of she's on Calumdor. Calumdor, yeah. which he knows is where the horde has settled. Like, this is not new information that he knows the, the, the there's tons of Kul sailors. There's, there's tons of um, information available to him, yeah. the Lord Admiral that this is where the new horde is. And now uh, yeah. my and only surviving point, child is there. Oh no.
1: Yeah, and, and, and at this point, um, Oh no! He also had a son. That's, that's not. He's not the eh. only surviving child. He, yeah. had, he had. He had Tancred.
0: That's fair. That's uh, fair. That's fair.
1: But keep in mind too, the other thing is that all of this stuff was coming through like weird channels, because there wasn't a Lordaeron anymore.
0: There wasn't really an alliance yeah. at that point.
1: Yeah. So the the dwarves are were dealing with their own problems. The gnomes had a whole thing where like they were fighting against like you know leper gnomes and and trogs. Stormwind was not part of the third war stormwind. They didn't even hear about it until it was all over mm-hmm. by the time stormwind was contacted. It, it, all, it was all over, but the singing, I mean, it was just that, that had happened. So it was actually Jaina's group that reached out to stormwind. They, they were the ones who were like, you know, let's see if there's anybody left over there. They found stormwind. They contacted them. Varian and Jaina began talking so that's how it Colteris only got information back from people who were like sailing around anyway, and who would be making contact because there were goblin, goblin trade towns over there. There was, so there's that they're like, what is going on? There's goblin towns over in this new continent. Mm-hmm. Cause he went to calendar was hidden for a long period of time. Calendar was hidden.
0: Yeah. The Eastern kingdoms didn't go there.
1: Yeah. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. He doesn't know what's happening. He shows up. And the first thing he finds out is that his daughter is making common cause with the people that killed his son. And he's like, he cannot understand it. It's like, what are you doing? You you were as distraught as anybody. Yeah, when we they mourned
0: Derek. We mourned Derek together. We were there. You you I felt your pain. How are you capable of saying peace is the answer when these monsters took him from us?
1: Yeah, and and, and therefore he, you know, he, being her father, he knew what was best, even though she's an adult, and so he locked her up and started a war with the horde. Um, which, you know, we, we don't have time to go through the whole thing. Well, yeah, I, we, I mean, we do.
0: We, I mean, we have we've got plenty of time, and I think talk as much as you want about it, Matt. Well,
1: I don't, I don't know how much there is to say because this is a it is a fairly big subject. the The entirety of this story, the whole bit with Thor- Theramore and. And Dale and Proudmore and what happened to him is basically Rexar's story.
0: It is, it really because is because
1: it's it's Rexar who is serving the Horde as a champion. He's the champion of the Horde. They actually call him that.
0: Yes. And he was, before we were there, he was the champion.
1: Yeah, it was Rexar's gig, and it's Rexar who puts together what's happening. Like there's weird stuff going on. The uh, the animals are behaving strangely there's this new Alliance base on the shores of Durotar. Why is that there? And now all of uh, a
0: sudden there's threats being made to Orgrimmar.
1: Yeah. And that's like out of nowhere, it, you know? And so he still one who investigates and he makes friends like Shen, Stormstout and uh, Rokhan. And eventually the group of them go down and try and find out like they, they want to talk to Jaina because they want to know what's going on. And that doesn't go well because, you know, Dalen basically tries to have them killed. Jaina eventually contacts them because, again, mage, she can get out anytime she wants. And she's like, look, my father is, you know, he needs to be stopped. I don't want this to become hostilities between the Horde and the Alliance. So eventually the deal is made where she will step aside. She won't defend Theramore. She protect her people from Theramore, but she will not defend it against the Horde if they come in and make an attack. I don't think even then she quite realized what that was going to mean. Mm-hmm. Like she just wanted to stop her father. She didn't want to kill him.
0: And, and even then, the and even then, like Rexar didn't want to kill him either. Like that was a whole point of that. But yeah, it, it was, absolutely. It, he like at one point, like I, 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 and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember Rexar trying to talk him down. Oh, Rexar repeatedly said, "Look, this does not
1: have to happen." I don't want to fight
0: you. I don't want to kill you. I don't want to hurt you. This doesn't need to be this way.
1: If you put this, if you make this happen, then it'll happen. Cause you know, we're, we're, we're horde. We're, I'm an, I'm an, we're warriors. I'm a mock warrior. I will fight you and it'll go where it goes, but it doesn't have to like, we don't want anything from you. We're not trying to take anything. We just want you to stop attacking us. and, that's fairly simple. I, I mean, for the Horde, this was practically conciliatory.
0: Yeah. It's like, like we, we know, have made no move against you. You are making all the moves against us. We will defend ourselves, but all you have to do is turn around and go away and we're, we'll let you be like, we yeah. will not retaliate. And that's huge.
1: And and keep in mind that he was even saying this while he had a giant military force ready to go into Theramore. He was still ready to back down. Mm hmm. He was this doesn't have to happen. We can leave right now. You just have to stop attacking us. And Dalen was like, no, I'll wipe you from the face of the earth. You're monsters and you have to die.
0: Yeah. I'll fight you to my last breath.
1: Yeah. And so the fight happened. And, and again, you have to remember there are slight cultural differences here to an orc. Dalen was a strong enemy. You don't, you don't insult him by not killing him. Yeah. Like there's, there's a whole thing where. If it had been a human, they might have like, you know, just knocked him out and chained him up. But Rexar is like not gonna disrespect the guy. Yeah. He fought hard. Yeah, that, that was it, a hell of a fight. And, and Rexar does it. not, you know. I
0: was gonna think about think about it. Think about how many things have been uh I can never pronounce it, the Makora. How many how many contests, how many disputes have been solved in that sort of way? It's been featured at least three times in like huge story moments, and in those moments it's not fight to to the mercy. It's fight to the end, right? That's one of that's one of the ways of doing it. That's like the traditional orc way of doing it. And it's because in that moment, Matt's right, there's this cultural identity of you are a proud warrior. this my opponent is a proud warrior. I cannot show them disrespect by pulling my punches because that would be the greatest disrespect that would say, I don't respect you as a warrior. I don't respect you as a combatant. I don't respect you as an equal. So he wasn't going to pull his punches with, with Dalen probably.
1: And Dalen was like an old guy. So for, for a man who was getting older to get in the ring with like a half ogre and push him to the point where you know rexar was in danger at several yeah. points in that fight he was it was not an easy win that's the thing that really gets me about this whole thing is dalen proudmore went out like he lived and he absolutely i uh, honestly for all that people you know treat him like a genocidal monster and he probably was in some ways i bet you the, the people who respect him most of the orcs that fought him oh yeah because yeah he whew, that was a hell of a fight he was he was pushing us back. He was seriously, it was a, it was a big deal. It was hard to stop that guy. That's something orcs respect. That's the culturally speaking, a good loser is almost as good as a good winner. Yeah. Because there's two people in that ring. Yeah. One of them's going to win, but they were both there and that's, you know, you don't have a winner without somebody going down. And that's also. And any yeah anybody can be the guy that loses in that moment. You don't know. That you're gonna win. Even if you think you're the stronger, you could slip on a like blood. You could get hit in like a, you know, a, a way that like slows your arm down at the wrong time. You could receive Fight. a poisoned
0: axe from a yeah. clan of Torin that are, don't have your best interest in heart.
1: Yeah, there's, there's fighting is inherently risky. And I, I think honestly, it was one of the worst things in Garasha's life was that his win over Karen wasn't clean.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, that, that was the, the greatest
1: disrespect. Yeah. He would have, he wouldn't have killed him. He didn't want to, and he said as much. He even told him to yield. He's like, go ahead and yield. You've satisfied honor. And, you know, Karen didn't. And Karen would have killed him. Mm-hmm. And he knew it. He knew Karen would have killed him. And that always was something that bothered him. You could tell. That was always something that bothered him. That's why he was so willing to accede to Bane taking his, his father's place. Because it was like, yeah, I didn't win that right. Like it would have been, I would not have felt, he would not have hesitated to kill Cairn, but he would have wanted it to be fair. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they fought and one of them died. And if Cairn had killed him, he wouldn't have wanted to die, obviously, but he would have in his last moments have respected that it happened. That's a very Orcish thing to do in, in the Warcraft setting. So yeah, I, the Dalen situation is always, it's very tragic because Dalen couldn't, he lived through too much. Yeah, he'd lost too much. He'd seen too much, but he, his people dying. But oddly enough, he didn't he didn't
0: he saw too much, but like and not not to interrupt. Sorry, but like it's almost tragic in a way, not just because of how much he saw, but he didn't see everything. And because he yeah. didn't see everything, all he had to go off was was essentially a series of just awful, awful tragedies.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're totally right. He didn't participate in the third war. So he wasn't there when they had literal armies of demons. And it was like, either we fight together or we all die. And he (laughs) did. So he, he didn't do that. And fighting alongside somebody changes the way you view them. Even if you don't, the two of you are never going to be friends. Yeah.
0: like, there's, you know, there's a quote what he said to Thrall, right? Like, can your blood atone for genocide, orc? Your horde killed countless innocents with its rampage across Stormwind and Lordaeron. Do you really think you can sweep that all away and cast aside your guilt so easily? No, your kind will never change, and I will never stop fighting you. Do you think that he would have said that if he had been there for the Third War and saw the orcs bleeding themselves to stop the advance of the demons, to stop Archimonde? To see them struggle and fight and lay their lives down for something larger than them, something that I think he really truly believed they were not capable of, he yeah, never he got to see that.
1: He didn't see it, and he didn't believe Jaina when she told him about it.
0: Yeah, because it's very
1: hard sometimes to recognize that your children have experiences you lack. That they might know something you don't. To you, they're always going to be like the little child they were. You know, th- that's that's part of your memory of them. So yeah, I. It is really tragic with Dalen, and I'm not trying to take away from the fact that the dude was a, a a real threat who straight up was flat out racist. That's just, that is what he was. But, you know, it it is horrible. It's horrible for everybody. It was horrible for Jaina that in the end, he ended up dead because she stood aside.
0: And that's a guilt that she has just recently processed, right? And yep. that's that's kind of the whole point of the warbringer short. That's the whole point of her story arc. At least not all of it, but a good chunk of it in Battle for Azeroth is her coming to terms with my father is dead because of me, but also realizing there's nothing she really could have done to stop.
1: Them. Yeah, her father's dead because of her, but more importantly, her father's dead because of her father. Yes. Like, you know, because he wouldn't listen. And it's not like she wanted him to die. It's, but she didn't want him to destroy everything she'd built. And yeah, she lost it anyway. And yeah, it's because of specific people in the horde that she lost it anyway. But I think that the, the, the resolution to the part in battle for Azeroth, where she goes in to get Bane out and ends up teaming up with, with Thrall and, and Sorfang. The thing where, you know, where Thrall says, you know, we've done this, what's different, what's changed. And she says, we have that, that is true. Like she is not her father. She has not let the things that have happened to her completely calcify her into never listening and never changing. Will she ever trust the same? No, she won't. She'll never be as trusting. She'll never think, you know, she'll never have that. We can work through anything mindset, mm-hmm. but she will be willing to listen. And, you know, she's willing to put it aside for now, take small steps and see where it goes. And that I think is one of the, the, the ways in which Jaina is a better Lord Admiral than, than her father had been. Um, but plus, you know, one of the most powerful sorcerers in the world. So there's that too.
0: That does help. <laughs> uh, there, he- the whole thing, like it is a, it is complicated and messy and dirty. And honestly, it's one of the reasons why I like that story is because it feels rooted in reality and in in our fantasy game in a way that others aren't. And yeah. it, it's we all know people that have gone through tragic events that color their their perceptions in a very specific way, and it's sad. And then we we understand some of the lasting effects of that. And seeing it here it represented in Jaina's entire life story, essentially, is it's important, and it's it's real and gritty, and it works. And some people say that like it, Jaina suffers tragedy for the sake of tragedy, and maybe at one point that was true. But I think how everything was brought to a close in Battle for Azeroth for her, and particularly with her family reconciling with her mother, uh, reconciling with Cultiris in general, taking on the role of Lord Admiral, and understanding what it means—not just to be a person of peace, but also understand what it means to go to war when necessary, and what the sacrifices are therein. Because that's another aspect of it too. Jaina never really, never really understood her father's perspective. She was never in that position. Yes, she led people, but think about it. Jaina was. a a prized student of Antonidas. She was a member of the Kirin Tor. She was a a high court person when it came to dealing with like Kalthas or or Arthas.
1: Yeah. Let's also keep in mind too, that if you, if you ever stop and think about this, it's kind of like terrifying to consider this. Janna Prodmore was not yet 20 when the third war happened. Mm -hmm. Arthas wasn't much older. For his people, Kalthas was relatively young. These were young people who came through this and some of them were destroyed by it, Arthas. Some of them were changed by it, uh, Kalthas, and some of them almost it's like a, it's like a forge. That's when you forge impurities out of something. Mm-hmm. That's what Jaina did, but it was not tempered. She wasn't tempered after the third war. She was just put through this experience that was just like atrocious. And the beginning of her tempering was the death of her father. Yes. Because that's the first time she realized, oh, I can't fix everything. Because she'd been everything Joe just said. She'd been a brilliant mage. She'd been the best, the best of the best. You know, Antonidas himself handpicked her. Yeah, you know, not and not because of her father. In fact, despite her, family, her father, <laughs> her family made you know he didn't even want her to go to the cult to the you know called the Carentor. I keep always say Carentoris. He didn't even want her to go to the Karen tour because they had their own mages. Why do you need to go train in some foreign mage school? He he was like opposed to it. She had to basically like put her foot down and make it happen. And from that moment, so much of what happened with her was just a case of her triumphing over incredible odds and succeeding despite opposition so that she never lost. The closest she got to losing was the guy she kind of had a crush on the guy she was like sort of in love with they were going to get married and then things didn't happen and they ended up not getting married but there was always something there and she felt like someday it would you know they'd come around again they'd get their chance and it didn't that was the f- only thing she hadn't had and it hadn't really settled in yet you know there was no time for it to settle in
0: yeah she didn't the, had, she hadn't barely any time to process most of the things that happened to her
1: yeah like literally like i said before between the th- the third war and the beginning of world of warcraft it's four years
0: and that sounds like a lot but it's really not when you're building a city (laughs) you're building a city and trying to get people that are not necessarily from the same background again it wasn't just people from Loderon that she was saving there were people from Gilneas with her as well and other people from other parts of the alliance that were footmen or soldiers or possibly even knights that had taken up arms with her in the battle for Hyjal like yeah and they were they were there behind with her. They they were no longer you know Eastern Kingdom citizens. They were a whole new nation, essentially learning how to navigate each other. And we've talked about that in the past, where even among the humans, the differences between cultures of like Lordaeron and Stormwind and and all the other like human like noble n- nobility lands and traditional bloodlines. like Gilneas, like you know. yeah.
1: The, and keep in th- mind too, Dalaran also went yes. out. Yes, yep. Dalaran so she was had gone. she had mages that were like. From there, that had escaped. Can we hang
0: out with you? Yeah, you
1: know, and and she was a she was a notable person from the karen tour. So as the remainders of the karen tour tried to rebuild Dalaran, there were a lot of people that flocked to her. Mm -hmm. You know, she was the one who basically led what looked like the exodus of humanity. At the time, the people that were fleeing with her had no idea if there would be anything to go back to ever. So yeah, that's a lot for four years, and then have your dad show up and be like, "No, I'm putting you in jail, and I'm taking over." And she's like, Dad, I'm trying to run a city. That's a joke, but seriously, that it's like, it, it's like the worst visit from Dad ever. Uh, and there's just so much to process, and so much she keeps losing. And it's like, it is amazing that she stayed as optimistic as she did for so long. It's amazing she managed to come through it and is like now someone who is still somewhat optimistic, but understands the costs in ways most people never would.
0: It, this is one of those things where she's now become a character. That has lived the full cycle. And like I said, at the end of Battle for Azeroth, with everything, her taking over as the Lord Admiral and everything else, she finally understands that last piece that she didn't really have. Like leading a small group of people that were thought to be lone survivors is definitely arduous. And I don't want to downplay that. And it was definitely new to her because she was young at the time and untested in, in terms of that. And now she's in charge of an entire nation that is part of the alliance. And is a a powerful part of the Alliance. They are the naval force. And now she understands a lot of the pressures that her dad was under that she never could have understood before. And now all I can play in my mind is with everything that's happened to her, I want a conversation at the end of Shadowlands, not between her and Anduin. I want a conversation between her and Toronto because I think... That all of the traumatic experiences on top of everything else, they're the most similar in scope right
1: now. Yeah, one of the few people that can understand what it's like to lose your home like that
0: yep. is Jaina Proudmore. To lose everything you love, to lose the things you hold most dear, to think that your life is over and shattered. Jaina Proudmore can actually be that voice more so than even Teron's own children. And I would love to see the two of them walk off and have a conversation about where do you go from here because that is the real strength of Jaina proudmore and the real it, it's the natural conclusion of, of where her story has been so hopefully that answers your questions um i didn't think that we were only going to get through two questions today but it looks like that's what we did folks <laughs>
1: yeah it's, it's actually kind of a miracle we got to the second
0: one <laughs> uh but is there anything else you want to say before we uh we close it up matt
1: uh, I will say that I th- I'm pretty sure that if Ashara had got a song, it would just be some version of Poor Unfortunate Souls anyway.
0: I'd still be okay with it, though.
1: Oh, yeah, why not? You know, are both kind of octopus people. Yeah, I'm fine with it.
0: <laughs> but thanks, folks. And Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads free site experience. And as a reminder out there, all of us at Blizzard Watch stand with all employees of uh, Activision Blizzard and any other company out there demanding change for a safer working environment and a better tomorrow. So, thank you very much, folks. We'll see you next week.
1: I'm